When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We're lawyers, mothers, and co-hosts of the bipartisan podcast, Pantsuit Politics. We have more in common than divides us. In a world that defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely. The choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life. Welcome to The Nuanced Life. We are in the midst of a commemoration renaissance. Is that a thing? Or maybe like a commemoration peak? I don't know. Y'all are sitting in good commemorations. That's what I'm really trying to lay down right now. We've got so many over the next few weeks, including several fantastic commemorations today. Before we get started, we have a bonus episode coming your way on Patreon. We're really excited about this episode. Maggie wrote to us and wanted to know how we make decisions about social media, especially given that we share a lot about our children and our families on social media. We got lots of thoughts about that. So we're going to share them with you on Patreon, patreon.com slash The Nuance Life, $5 a month. You get a bonus episode. You support the work that we do here, and we will be eternally grateful. First up, we have a commemoration from Debbie, whose oldest child finally decided to dive under the water and grab a toy from the bottom of the pool. He'd been in swimming lessons for two years and had fought tooth and nail to keep his face from getting wet. But just one day. Out of the blue, there he went, under the water. He was so excited, he came home and called his grandparents. This is a good good summer commemoration. I like it. It is. And she said that she has two very headstrong boys who do nothing super early, like you see on social media. So it feels like magic when they get to a milestone. I relate so much to that because I do feel like social media dials up the heat on wait, what stage are they supposed to be in? Are they doing that Mm -hmm. yet? They're not doing that yet? Should they be doing Is something wrong because they're not doing that yet? And it takes a lot of work to just rein it in and understand the kids are going to do things when they do them. And much better to feel like it's magic than to be constantly worried about it. Oh, my gosh. I had such a battle with my middle son, Amos, about Swimming, basically. My first son took swimming lessons from this woman who was like an institution in my town called the Swim Nazi. I know that's not a very nice word, but she was hardcore. She used to tell him, I mean, he was probably like three or four, and she would tell him in the class, if you don't do this or if you talk or if you don't follow the rules, I'm going to break the head off your trophy that you get at the end and give you a headless trophy. Now, look. Whoa. (laughs) Right. It's hardcore. Like, And here's the thing. Like, I don't think that you should parent like that. But do I think kids benefit a little bit from being exposed to a different style in, like, tiny little doses, like a six-week swim class? Maybe I do. So anyway, she retired. Amos didn't get to do it. And Amos is like, he just shuts down, like, so headstrong. Like, if it's a new experience and he doesn't want to do it, he just panics. And so with swimming, like, 
There was just nothing I could do. Like, I just had to get out there and hold them and go under and be like, see, look, we're still here and come back up with them. So I was doing this one time at the pool and the beach. He's crying. I'm like, we're going to do it. Here we go. We come back up. He's fine. Just like trying to show him, like, the world will not end. You can go under. This lady comes up to me and says, I am a legally mandated reporter, and we all see what you're doing to him. And if you don't stop, I'm going to call the police. What does that even mean? She's a legally mandated reporter. What's that? I think she was implying that I was abusing my child. And so she was legally mandated to report child abuse. Oh, everybody. Everybody. Right. It was so upsetting. I was like in the midst of postpartum depression with Felix. I realize now I had three kids and like, guess what happened the next day? He went in the pool and went swimming, (laughs) like totally swam. And my friend Allison, like two months later, was like, P.S. I'm at swim lessons with a literally an Olympic swimmer as a teacher. And she's like, sometimes you just got to dunk them. (laughs) You just got to do it. (laughs) But mad props to Debbie for being patient and letting him do it himself. Oh, man. But yeah, that was it was very upsetting. The woman was not nice and was very judgmental. And just like the implication that like she cares about my kid more than I do and that I would like openly abuse him in front of everyone and I, I mean, it was like a pool full of people. Like, no, sometimes kids are just afraid of water. Sometimes they're just afraid of stuff and you got to help them through it. Oh, man. But it is like seared into my memory. When I read Debbie's email, I was like, God bless you, Debbie. I'm so glad you had a, such a better experience than me. Oh, man. I People do give me looks sometimes when I just allow my kids to cry in public mm-hmm, because I can't mm-hmm, fix mm-hmm. everything for them. Right. So if we're in a store and they want something and we say no and they start crying, I'll say like, well, you can be upset, but it's still a no. And we just walk right. on and people look at you like, monster, why are you mm-hmm. not fixing this for this child? And I think, mm-hmm. because I don't want this child to be a monster, which right. will be the result if I fix it every time they're upset about something. I get that a lot at playgrounds, especially when they were little. Like, here's the thing I feel very strongly about. I do not correct my children if they walk up the slide. I just don't. I don't either. I get some sort of developmental milestone. They need to walk up the slide. They need to get kicked by another kid. Like, it's something essential in the childhood process, and I'm just going to stay out of it. Like, I always remind myself that for hundreds of years, there weren't a lot of adults around kids. It was basically other older kids because the adults were out, you know, plowing the fields or killing lions. I don't know what they were doing. But, and still, in many, 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 many parts of the world, like, you don't have an adult hovering over you every second. It's usually like a 10-year-old going, cut it out, and like a 10-year-old not super concerned or at least not concerned to the level of an adult with your safety or feelings. <laughs> and like they just benefit so much, I think, from learning lessons from other kids who are like, yeah, you can act like that, but I'm not going to want to play with you. And so I just try to let it be. But I've gotten definitely – I've got, I had a nasty dad say something to me once at the mall playground because I think Amos was probably like two or three, and he hit this man's daughter. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, I don't remember exactly how the exchange went down, but I basically was like, well, he's he's three. Like, there's not a ton I can do about it. And he basically implied, like, well, you shouldn't bring your child out if he hits. Oh, yeah, I should definitely not bring my toddler out into public if he disobeys. So I will be secluded for the next two and a half years. I definitely am for we just keep bringing them. 
when I talk to people who are like, well, we can't go out to eat because of my children's behavior, I think, well, nope. then you need to go out to eat more often, right? Mm-hmm. Because you get it there eventually, but you just need to do it. We take our girls to baseball games all the time. They have a great time at baseball now because they've learned how to go. If we just right. drop them in the situation, of course, it's like they're little aliens. They haven't done this thing before. They don't know how to handle it. But if you just do it and keep living life, I feel like they adjust really well. I've been working on... In every respect, just letting them have their big feelings, because I've come to understand that I've been censoring my big feelings my entire life, and that's not super <laughs> healthy. And so, I wonder who, 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 who in your life? Yeah, I know um, I do have a do feelings. You know who model. has big feelings? I don't. <laughs> so Jane comes home from the last day of school. She gets off the bus. She is sobbing. She can hardly catch her breath. She is sobbing because she's going to miss her friends, Sarah. And she might never mm-hmm. see them again, especially the so fifth true. graders who are going to middle school. It's all true. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's and all true. I wanted so badly to be like, get a hold of yourself. <laughs> but I said, you know what? Things change and it's hard sometimes. Yep. And I just tried to resist the urge to do anything else. And Chad and I kind of laughed about it. And we let her go on with her day. And she was over it in like an hour because we had a giant end of school party for her to go to. But it just it was funny because she just was so overwrought. And every instinct in my body was fix and stop this. And I've just been trying to resist that. But if I had done that in public, other parents would have been like, what is the matter with you? You psychopath. And we've got to stop doing that to each other. Anyway, hooray, Alistair and Debbie for going underwater. I think that's amazing. Underwater. Listen, a child that can swim. I wish I could quantify the amount of stress in like a real way that relieves when your children can swim. Oh, my God. It's so magical. It really is magical. So, yay, Debbie. Yay for Debbie facing a summer, an open summer full with a child that can enjoy the water safely. Hallelujah. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone has a family member who always tells the best stories, like the one about the first neighborhood TV or the boat trip across the Atlantic or the hilarious college prank. StoryWorth was founded by a guy who wanted his dad to record his amazing stories. StoryWorth makes it easy and fun for your loved ones to share their stories with weekly emailed story prompts, questions you've never thought to ask. At the end of the year, they'll get their stories bound in a beautiful hardcover book. Strengthen your family bonds and get to know your loved one in a whole new way. Purchase a subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends them an email with a question about their life. They simply reply to this email with their story. All stories are private and only shared with family that you choose. After a year, their stories will be bound into a beautiful keepsake book. This is such a fantastic gift, especially for Father's Day, almost here. I did one last year, and it's not only one of my favorite things to look over, but my boys love reading it. I did a combination of stories from a couple members of my family, 
and we put pictures in. They learned, I mean, I learned things. Nicholas learned things about his own family that we did not know through the process of answering these questions. It really is fantastic. For $20 off, visit storyworth.com slash life when you subscribe. That's storyworth.com slash life. This next commemoration is from Jody. Jody lives in New Zealand, and when she was growing up at their equivalent of about 10th grade, they sit for these classes, and there's several subjects. And at the time, in 1986, she failed math. She got a 39%, but she worked so hard. She was so proud of herself for trying so hard to get it. Well, fast forward 30 years, they're going to pull down her high school. She was looking through memories, she was feeling a lot of things, and she decided to dig up her old school reports, photos, and certificates. Then, I love this part, she decided to get in touch with the government department that administers school qualification and reconfirm her grades. Turns out that in 1966, her grade in the math was a pass. So after all this time, 30 years she's been telling herself she passed four of the subjects but failed math, when in fact she passed all five. I love this. She says, my partner Paul and I decided to celebrate with a fun dinner out, and I've been telling everyone who will listen. I'm still pinching myself and haven't gotten used to saying, I passed all five subjects for school certification. What a magical feeling. I know it's a small thing, but it means so much to me, and I feel it's worth celebrating and commemorating. I love this so much. It feels like, in real life, the opposite of the dream everybody has. You know what I'm talking about? Like the yes, dream. The, you failed it, something. It's like dream. the opposite yeah. of that in real life. Like where you dream, oh, no, I missed something and I didn't actually graduate from high school. Or, oh, no, I forgot to take this class. I have a lot where I've like there's this one class I missed and it's the end of the year and I forgot about it and I haven't been going to the class and now I have to take the test. So I love that Jody. like not only is it the opposite but it's not a dream. In real life, she passed something she thought she'd failed for 30 years. It's amazing. I want to know, Jody, because the fact that she thought, I'm going to pick up the phone and call the government about mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. It just, there's so much, I have so many questions and so many things I want to know about you, Jody. I love it. <laughs> well, and it's just so indicative of how those stories we tell ourselves around high school, around scores, like the SAT and the ACT and all that. So important. Listen, I can still tell you that, and I still, I think, I feel like I told somebody this like two days ago. So we took the ACT where I live, not the SAT. And on the ACT, I got like a stupid high, missed two questions on the reading, and then got like a 12 on the math. I still remember like the breakdown of the score, even all these years later. Well, because we are taught that that score means something. I mean, the fact that I still remember my ACT score is dumb. But mm-hmm. we give such outsized importance to that stuff. This cropped up for me. I saw it was seeing all these tweets about the National Spelling Bee. And on Twitter, somebody was like, which word did you miss? And I thought, no, America, we should not be so scarred by these experiences. Come on, everybody. First of all, spelling is a good skill to have. I have no problem with spelling. But, like, you're going to have a fine life without it. Right. Everybody carries supercomputers. Why do we need to know how to spell? Just saying. If that's your gifting, I'm happy for you. And if it's not, cool. But we don't talk about anything like that. Jane got in the car with me today, and she was talking about how much she loves math. And she was like, now, if you're really stupid, you don't learn this part of math until this year. And I said, no, 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 no. 
some people are not gifted at math and they're going to learn it on a different schedule than you. And those folks are going to be gifted at things that you're not. So let's start listing all your friends and talking about what they're gifted in, because I want you to think about this differently. I'm so tired of us having this one set. I mean, love you, New Zealand. Jody should not be thinking about this at this point in her life. <laughs> this to me says that we're doing something that's intense in a way that maybe, maybe doesn't leave us in the most healthy place as we move forward. That's exactly how I feel about the ACT. It's still creates this knot in my stomach when I think about the ACT. I'm so happy that I will never have to take a standardized test again. It's sort of the moment where I realized I'll never have to worry about a miscarriage again. Like, it, what an important milestone when you're like, I'm done. I'm done with standardized testing because it is just a torture device. It is also sexist and racist and doesn't actually predict success. I don't know why we still do it, honestly. And we do it in so many contexts. The thing for me, like the standardized test on steroids is the bar exam. And the way when you're taking the bar exam, you look out across the room and everyone looks ashen and depressed. And people are staying up all night, even during the bar exam, to see if they can cram in a little bit more knowledge. And fast forward to the stress level in the legal profession as a whole, wonder where that comes from. You know, we begin behind because of this test. So I've ever told you that I failed the bar exam the first time. Yeah, but it was like very recently. So see, you can have a great life and not be on top of these things. Well, here's the thing. So I took the bar exam with a three-month-old, breastfeeding a three-month-old. It's hardcore. I passed the multi-choice part, which is the hardest part, and I failed the essay portion in Kentucky. I was like 0.02 away from a regrade, which everybody, they say everybody passes the regrade. But you know what? Here's the thing. Well, two things. One, having a newborn really puts failing the the bar exam in perspective. I was like, okay, whatever. Who cares? I mean, I was upset, but I also, I also knew enough and was at least had the presence of mind to realize like I was a postpartum mother. I mean, like there was a woman a few years later who sued to get to the Kentucky Bar and one to get breastfeeding breaks. And I'm like, holy crap, why didn't I think about that? Why didn't I occur to me like, this is wrong. I shouldn't have to sit in here as my boobs fill up and turn to gravel for hours. Like my baby was there, Griffin was there with me and I would like breastfeed him in the short breaks we got. It was a scene. But I had to like sort of the presence of mind to realize like I was not, it's impressive I passed what I did pass (laughs) considering I literally, literally started studying when he was like a week old. I'm not even kidding. I don't even know why I did it. I've never practiced and I keep it up because I'm not going through that again. I always tell people too, when we moved to Kentucky, Nicholas had to take the bar again because he couldn't wave in from DC. And I always say, I know when people are like, oh, I could just, I never know. I could never express how much I love you. I'm like, I know exactly how much my husband loves me. He took the bar again (laughs) because I wanted to move to Kentucky. That's how much my husband loves me. Kentucky's kind of great, though, because I took the bar in Ohio first and then took it in Kentucky later. And if you did it, like if you hit a certain level on the multi-state part, the multiple choice, you only have to take the essays in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And it was so funny when I did it the second time because I had been practicing for a while and I just came to understand that this thing has no application to what you do as a lawyer whatsoever other than just allowing you to do it. The table of people who had already taken part of a bar exam and we're just doing the essay again 
I mean, we might as well have had margaritas compared to the rest of the room. <laughs> Everybody was so relaxed, joking around, no big deal. And the rest of the room just had that look like fear of Crazed. God. This is going to be the worst experience of my life. And I will tell you, I took it in Ohio in this room in Columbus that looks like it's a prison cell. Like it's just concrete floors, concrete walls, really uncomfortable tables. They fingerprint you. It's way more intense than in Kentucky. And so when I rolled into like the executive inn in Louisville and the lady who checked me in said, hi, honey, how are you? I just thought. Man, I love Kentucky. I should have started here. It's so much Yeah, that was really here. nice. They also, you know, I only had to retake the essay portion. I didn't have to take the multi-choice part, thank God. I mean, remember that time in California? They had an earthquake, and they kept taking the bar exam. There was an earthquake in the middle of the exam. And they're like, uh, everything's fine. Y'all keep going. WTH? No, it's terrible. One of the most important skills I think you can have as a lawyer is recognizing what you don't know and where you need to go do some more research and think more deeply before you give an answer. And that is the polar opposite of what the bar exam requires of you. I feel like they're testing all the wrong things on the bar exam. Oh, I'm sorry. You didn't use memorization a lot when you were an attorney? You know, not once. Not Ugh, once. So stupid. It is so, so stupid. Dumbest. And I, so we did the opposite thing. You kept living your life, right? I put off my life because of the bar exam. On the day of my last law school final, Chad and I had signed the paperwork to buy a portion of land and build a house on it during spring break of my last year of law school. So on the date of my last exam, when I got home, Chad said, hey, let's just go see our house. I just want to go up there for a minute. And so we get in the car and we drive from Lexington to northern Kentucky to go visit our little plot of land. And he proposed on the land Aww. that day. And it was beautiful. So where my kitchen is now is where Chad proposed. So I was like so excited and also like I can't think about this until the bar exam is over. And so oh I gosh. did not start planning the wedding. I did nothing until the bar exam was over because I knew if I put myself mentally in that space, I would not pass the bar exam and I did not want to go through it twice. This is just not good, right? This is not this is an outsized importance of a test. That's what I'm saying. It's so true. Jody, I'm glad you got test redemption. I feel like you won something over the test overlords with this story, mm-hmm. and I'm glad for you. And I hope future generations don't have to jump through these nonsensical hurdles. All right. There are times when wearing a bra feels like a punishment. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Harper Wilde has heard me complaining and said it's time to make wearing a bra easier. Harper Wilde offers free at-home try-on. It's a no-risk, no-fitting room process in the comfort of your own home. Find your perfect size and only pay for bras you keep. Shipping is covered both ways. Harper Wilde bras were designed with you in mind. There's no need to choose between never-ending colors and patterns and lace. Just smooth, supportive coverage that comes in three shades of nude and looks great under any outfit. The attainable price and bundles make it easy to replace your entire bra drawer. You'll have bras to wash, bras to wear, and bras to spare. Plus, Harper Wild donates a portion of their sales to organizations dedicated to empowering women. I love to like just they have like a basic and a push-up and a strapless. So I don't have to feel like 
I'm constantly in danger of making the wrong choice and have that sort of decision fatigue. Also, they have some really cool design features on their bra. They have a, a hook to make any bra like T-strap so you can hook it in the middle so it's not showing on the end. It's just built into the bra, which I think is really, really, really smart. I love that feature. So if you want to try out Harper Wilde's bras and their amazing try-on at home experience, go to harperwilde.com slash life to get started today with a free at home try on and get a free bra wash bag as well. If you have a bra, you need a wash bag and now you can get one free. Make sure to select three bras to try on and don't forget to add the wash bag to your cart too. That's HarperWild, W-I-L-D-E dot com slash life to try on three bras at home for free and receive a free gift. comes from Maria today, and I think we should just read the entirety of Maria's message. And it's such a good entry point into Pride Month. I am 23 years old and an upstate New York native, but moved to Appalachian, Kentucky about two years ago to serve and work with a Christian nonprofit. Even though I consider myself a Christian, moving to the Bible Belt turned me upside down as a liberal from the North. What has turned me upside down even more is that in the past few months, I have publicly come out as bisexual. I feared coming out for the same reasons many LGBTQ plus folks do, fear of rejection, discrimination, bias, and so much more. Add that to living and working in Appalachia, surrounded by strong people of faith, surrounded by folks that I know would not agree with my sexuality. However, since coming out to those I feel safe doing so, I've been surrounded by so much love, support, friendship, grace, and prayers from friends, coworkers, and my church community. There will continue to be day-to-day things about my identity that I will struggle with, such as those I don't feel safe to come out to, those that find out I have a girlfriend and are not supportive, and probable rejection from family members that do not yet know about this new adventure. But that is exactly why I'm calling this new chapter of life an adventure. I am proud to call myself a young educated, working Christian and bisexual woman. I am grateful for the people that have built me up to get to this point of commemoration and look forward to continuing on this journey. Yay, Maria. What a lovely, thoughtful message that exhibits such presence of mind. I mean, it seems like a very wise, thoughtful message for a 23-year-old. I'm just going to be honest. I was a hot mess at 23. Chad and I were watching Alone last night, which I'm obsessed with right now, even though we're three seasons behind the world. And there's a woman on it who's 27 who has been in the woods at this point for 47 days where we are. Oh, my God. She has complained not even one time. And last night I said to Chad, I was at the pinnacle of my complaining at 27. Like that was the time in life where I thought, Everything was wrong, and I had no resilience or stamina whatsoever. So I agree with you. The 23 really stuck out to me in the maturity of this message and the way that Maria is processing her life at this point. And I really am honored that she shared this with us, and Mm -hmm. I love the way she's thinking about this. And I'll tell you, I think I understand that small rural communities in Kentucky, and we've talked on Pansy Politics about the distinctive culture of Appalachia, can be closed. But I also find that those communities can open in ways that are surprising and breathtakingly beautiful when you are part of the community and people can learn from your difference. You know, there was a 
mayor in a tiny, tiny town in Appalachia in Kentucky that was all over the news. It's probably Mm -hmm. been five or 10 years ago now. But the town loved this person. And I think that you see a little bit of that in the conversation around Pete Buttigieg, right? This kind of small community can really embrace someone who they know. And I'm sure Maria is going to touch a lot of people and be an example for a lot of younger people who fear the way their their community might react to them. So I'm just really impressed with the way Maria is talking about this. I also like that she's not trying to paint everything that's going to happen in the future with a rainbow brush, if you will. Like she'll say, like she says, like, this isn't going to always be this way. I will probably get rejected. I will probably feel some pushback from people. But on balance, I'm so happy with where I am. I mean, if everybody could do that in all stages of life, we'd be better off. We received a message from a listener and friend of Pantsy Politics about how you don't get to just come out once. And I think people who Mm. aren't LGBTQ, we talk about it as though, well, once you've come out, you're done. And Mm -hmm. she reminded us that actually you have to come out over and over and over again to virtual strangers, to family members. Every time you have someone say, oh, your husband, and you say, no, my wife, it's another coming out. And I think that knowing that you have a lot of that ahead and choosing to frame it as an adventure is really impressive. We should also say that this week on Pantsuit Politics, a listener reached out and asked us about our own personal journeys from growing up in conservative religious places to our current feelings about the LGBTQ community. So if you're interested in that conversation, check out Tuesday's episode of Pantsuit Politics. We are delighted by all the commemorations that are coming in and just surround everybody who's sending them in with love and support. If you have sent your commemoration in, you will hear it on the podcast. It's just we're just going to work our way through them. And please keep sending them. It's wonderful to see everything that's going on in all of your lives, Mm -hmm. which are amazing. And I love the community that has been created around this celebration. So thank you. We'll be back with you next week. Keep it nuanced, y'all. Dylan Garvin produces The Nuance Life. Elise Knapp is our managing director. The Nuance Life is listener supported. Go to patreon.com slash the nuance life. For $5 each month, you'll receive an entire bonus episode of The Nuance Life. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. Dylan Garvin is the composer and performer of our ad music. For more information about The Nuance Life and to connect with us through our weekly email, visit pantsuitpoliticsshow.com.